very much. Thank you for that very warm welcome indeed. Let me reciprocate that to you by saying welcome. It's great to see you. A big welcome to those of you in Cafe Church too. It's wonderful, isn't it, this dynamic of worship that we've been enjoying, I'm sure, in each service. Uh, It's a manifest presence of God amongst us, and that's just a, a wonderful place to be. Now, today my opportunity is to pick up on this series, The Power of Everyone. For the benefit of those who are joining us for the first time today, we have been following for a few weeks now this concept, The Power of Everyone, looking at uh, Acts chapter 2, uh, the early church, and so thus far we have looked at, uh, reflected on, and activated this sense of everyone connected in, uh, everyone devoted rather, everyone reverent, everyone generous, everyone united. And today we come to this concept of everybody connected, connected to Jesus and connected to each other. I don't know what connected means to you, but when I was thinking about that word, it took me back to an occasion I had when I was quite scared. Okay, I don't usually tell this kind of thing. Well, I do, but I'll I'll tell you about it anyway. Um, It was many years ago when I was a youth worker. I took a youth group to one of these adventure centers, and I had to do the adventurous things that they were doing. So it came my turn on this particular occasion. I was abseiling a couple of weeks ago, Andrew was telling you about his walks in the mountains and all the rest of it. Uh, my walk was to the top of this 100-meter tower, uh, and I have to tell you, I'm not good with heights. I was uh, quite scared, to say the least. Uh, I wasn't really helped by the fact that the person in charge of safety was about 12, and I'm thinking, uh, that's a wee bit worrying. And she obviously saw that I was a little bit anxious, because as I stepped forward for my turn to chuck myself off the big tower thing, she could see I was a little bit nervous, and she said, don't worry. She had this big rope. This rope can take the weight of a Ford Transit van, and it should be okay for you. And I'm thinking, well, thanks. What do you mean, should? <laughs> so it didn't really help me. But anyway, it came my turn. A few seconds later, I stepped forward, and then I realized that something which hadn't been pointed out to me before, honestly, hadn't clicked was she stepped forward and onto the harness that I'd had to put on earlier with a big ring in the front. She clicked on a, a harnessy kind of catchy thing. It went click, connected onto this rope, which could take the weight of a transit van. And then she said, any of you who have ever done abseiling will know, step backwards and just lean back. Just let the rope take the thing. Now, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't like to do that if I wasn't connected. Okay, I was connected to a rope that I knew was going to take my weight. I mean, I know I'm not as heavy as a transit van, even if she doesn't. Okay, I knew it was going to take my weight. And so being that sense of being connected, you get it? The sense of being connected meant I could go and experience something that otherwise would have been dangerous, impossible. And I was able to go to a new place. Now, if that principle is true in the world of adventure, it's most definitely true in the world of our faith. Because in the Christianity, Christianity is a connected faith. We're meant to be connected first and foremost to Jesus, our Savior, and if you like, in a vertical relationship between us and Him individually. I like to think of the cross when I think about this, you know, the vertical bar, as it were. And then we're also meant to be connected with each other on this horizontal kind of level. Christianity is a community faith. We need each other to experience its full potential. And so what I want to explore today is this sense of what it means to be connected. Now, first and foremost is this connection with Jesus. It's an absolutely foundational connection. If we don't have our connection with Jesus right, then actually our connections to each other and the horizontal, as it were, can be lovely, can be fine, can be good, but we're no different than any other club 
Are we? And these are good things. But our connection is at the intersection of these two things, isn't it? The intersection of being connected to Jesus and connected with each other. Now, when I look in the Acts of the Apostles, I see both of these dimensions were uh, evident right at the very beginning of the book of Acts. The early disciples get connected with the resurrected Jesus by His Holy Spirit. He, he no longer is with them in person. But on that day of Pentecost, when they waited in that room and the Holy Spirit came upon them, they had a connection, a living connection with the living Jesus that blew them away and really empowered them. Now, the most amazing thing for us is that our experience can be the same. And what happened when the Holy Spirit came? Lots of things happened. You can read in Acts 2, and we've been looking at it over these past weeks. But one of the things that happened, Paul the Apostle goes back some years later and explains for us. One of the things that was ha- happened was this, that we, on the day of Pentecost, we became a body of believers with a head. And the head was Christ. He says, every one of you is part of the body of Christ, and you've got an important part to play. But we're not a headless body. We're not a headless chicken running around. We are a body of people who have the head as Christ. A vertical connection, you get it, with Him, and then horizontal connections with each other. Something wonderful happened in those early days of the church. Now, if it was history, it would be interesting. And it is history, and it is interesting, but it's more than that. Because what happened to them and around them and in them can happen to us too, right up now in our day and age. It's for us today. What was promised to them is promised to us. As we gather, as we have done today, in connection with the the same Holy Spirit is the one who comes and pours out Himself. We are part of the same body of Christ that they were and we are together. Their experience of the risen Jesus was so amazing that there was a kind of, I suppose you could call it a revival dynamic going on. It was, it was an amazing thing. And so when I read, I enthusiastically read, looking for clues, really clues about what did they do that allowed this amazing thing to happen around them? What did they plan to do that allowed God to work through them? What was their recipe, if you like, their secret sauce? And then there's some clues you'll be pleased to know. We come to the verse that we're going to share together today. It's Acts chapter 2, verse 46 and 47. It's reading on from where we left off last week. Every day, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. These people, from the beginning, were super connected to Jesus and to each other. This daily connection with Jesus, this daily connection in large gatherings and in the temple courts, and also meetings in homes. By gathering together, just as we do, they positioned themselves for the blessing of God to be upon them. When everyone was connected together, everyone got blessed. It's amazing how many times in Acts the phrase, all of the believers, all of them, all of them, all of them. But you have to be here, don't you, to get all of that that God has planned for you. And so, this is why I want to share about this connection in the horizontal level. Connection on the, the temple, 
as it were, for Sunday for us, but also in small groups. Not because I've got a campaign to recruit there, but because there's evidence here that God the Holy Spirit can really help you, really get a hold of your life, really empower you and encourage you and strengthen you and bless you and help you when you position yourself by gathering together in a big way group or in a smaller group too. God can really do something. Some of you have been coming every single week for years like me, but let's allow God to do something in us again, to restore in us again a vision of what happens when we come together and gather. Some of you might be in church for the very first time. You've come on a great day because you're going to hear about why you should keep coming back and allow God to bless you and encourage you. Wherever we are on that spectrum, let's allow God to upgrade our expectation about what happens when we gather. Is that okay? You up for that? Let's pursue them. So on this horizontal connection then, taking this word, they gather together in the temple courts and they gather together in small groups and homes. So firstly and foremost, everyone was connected in large gatherings. Everyone connected in large gatherings. After the Pentecostal experience, when the Holy Spirit poured out on all the believers, 3,000 became Christians. The believers chose to develop their connections by meeting together every day in the temple courts. Uh, now, they, every day, they didn't like, give up their work. They, they did this in the morning before they went to do all the things that they had to do. But such was the impact of that Pentecostal revival moment for them that they couldn't help but meet together because they wanted to nurture that in each other. From the day of Pentecost, an amazing thing had happened that where they had worshipped in the temple, and they still did so, and the temple had been the center of attention. Now, the people were the center of attention, the body with the head Christ. When they gathered together, the amazing thing was that God the Holy Spirit was poured out on individuals. Out of the overflow of God's power and presence, they gathered together in worship. Now, in our context, that's a a gathering together every Sunday. Now, I say every Sunday, not to induce guilt or to make you think, oh, yeah, you should come every Sunday because God is building you when you do so and encouraging you and helping you. Let me just give you an example. Imagine Acts 2 read like this. When the day of Pentecost come... What it says is that all the believers were together. Instead of saying all the believers together, it said some of the believers were together. Other ones were at B&Q getting some stuff for the afternoon. Uh, Other ones uh, thought it's my week off. Other ones thought, well, I'm not on a serving rota this week, so I don't need to bother. The blessing was for the benefit of those who were there. We had a lady in one of our previous churches, she's a lovely God-fearing, lovely lady, and, and, but she used to get proper annoyed, and she'd come to us and say, why is it that all the really great stuff happens in this church on the Sundays that I don't come? Okay, and that wasn't because of her. We just, <laughs> we just said, actually, there's a solution, and the solution is be here. Be in on what God is doing, what God has planned for you, what God wants to unfold for you. So I encourage you, I'm saying this as an encouragement to you to come and regularly be blessed because I think at least three things happen when we gather together in that way. Firstly, you see it in the notes there, we build a spiritual house. When we gather together in Jesus' name, He comes, He promises that He'll come. We read about it in Matthew 18, 20, for where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Now, just to be clear, two or three isn't the defining number. It's not the total number. It's not the top number. It's not a number to aim at. It's the beginning. 
when the minimum of two or three gather, there he is present. And so that means he is present here right now. He promises to do that. When we gather together in faith and expectation, inviting the Holy Spirit to be with us, he dwells and blesses us. He dwells and heals us. He dwells and empowers us. He dwells and brings his peace. He dwells and brings his salvation. Do you get this? When we gather together, we're doing more than just being friends. Great that is. But we're creating a crucible in which the Holy Spirit can come and show his grace and his power. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? It's an amazing thing that God would do such things. Our gatherings are a dwelling place for the Most High God. Now, I'm astounded. I I get to read lots of testimonies. I'm astounded time after time when I hear stories of people who have come to Kingsgate for the very first time. And uh, quite often in their testimony, which they tell later on, they'll say, I came on such and such a Sunday with my friend. And the minute I came into the car park, I don't know what happened, but I started crying. And, you know, something happened to me, and I just was like, whoa, it's an amazing experience happening there. Uh, Heather and I brought one of our friends about six or seven weeks ago for the very first time, and and he came into the service for the very first time. We went outside, we're sharing coffee together, and he said, wow, there's something in there, isn't there? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, there's, there's something in there. The presence of God, when people gather, In the name of Jesus, the very presence of God is there. Now, we've become quite acquainted to that kind of thing happening. But I want to tell you, that's a revival dynamic when that happens. Because we're not doing anything, are we? Except we are precipitating and allowing and inviting the Holy Spirit to come and do what only He could do. I asked a friend of mine, Ralph, who's into all these kind of like history of revivals and so on, to do a bit of research for me and see if there was any other occasions where this, you know, people coming into the car park get overcome by the presence of God. And amazingly so, in nearly all the revivals is some example of this. A few weeks ago, Andrew gave us an example from the Welsh revival, but um, Ralph did some digging in, and amongst all the pages and pages of examples that he found, he was telling me uh, in writing about a, a revival that happened in 1858 on the east coast of America in New York, and it's described like this, a canopy of Holy Spirit influence, like an incredible cloud fell over the whole of the eastern seaboard. And this is an amazing bit. Ships approaching the east coast of America across the Atlantic felt a holy presence when they were hundreds of miles away. And in fact, some captains started to signal, please send a minister, send a pastor to meet us at the quay because all the people on the ship want to know about Jesus. Another ship arrived in port with a captain and every member of the crew converted in the last 150 miles. Now, that's amazing, isn't it? Now, we haven't got 150 miles yet. We've got like, what, maybe 300 meters to the end of the gate. But you get what I'm saying? This is a revival dynamic. When people come close to where God's people are gathering, something is really going on. I don't know about you, but here is my expectation. I come here every week. I expect God to be present. I ask him to be present by his Holy Spirit, and he is. I'm going to ask him now, would you join me? Instead of a 300 meter diameter of influence, could we have 100 100 miles Wouldn't that be just brilliant? The whole of the Midlands, from all of our centers, a hundred miles of influence. As people are driving up and down the motorway, they they sense 
God's presence on them, and they have to do something about it because we and other life-giving churches are saying, Holy Spirit, come and do what you need to do. Bring a revival dynamic into our gathering. Now, that changes Sunday quite a lot, doesn't it? That changes it from, oh, I have to go and do this. That changes it to, wow, I can't wait to get there. There's a revival dynamic, and I'm going to be part of it. I get to be involved in what God is doing. Let's feed our expectation of the presence of God in us and around us. Secondly, when we align our week, uh, when we gather together, we align our whole week. I've got a little illustration of this, if I may. I'll have to be really quick with this. This, uh, for the benefit of those who don't know, is a tuning fork, and it's used by musicians to sound a pure and perfect note so that all the other instruments can be tuned from it. So I'll give you an example of how it works. This particular one is tuned to the note of A, so you should be able to hear that here. Listen a second. Do you hear that? So that pure and perfect A note, instrumentalists can tune all the instruments from. Every instrument that tunes to that is tuned to that perfect note and thereby is tuned to each other. Because if they're all tuning to that note, then they're tuned to each other as well. You see, when we, this is what it illustrates, when we come to worship, as we've been doing today, when we come to worship and we, our heart's content is to honor Him and to lift Jesus higher, His pure and perfect note aligns our week that's to come. I'm, I'm positive of it. It puts us in a place where we are in alignment with Him. Now, I know some of you are thinking, or people have said to me, well, I would come, but I'm just too busy. You know, my, my life is just too busy. I understand that. I've got a busy life. Lots of people, very busy lives. But it's about alignment. If you want to live in alignment, you have to make a commitment here. Now, here, there's a spiritual dynamic to this as well. It's not just a, you know, diary event. For example, when Dave was talking to us about generosity, you talked about the tithe. When we give the first part of our 10% of our income to the Lord's work, amazingly and supernaturally, the 90% goes a lot further than the 100% would go. Loads of us can testify to that thing. But what I think happens as well, when, one, when we give our Sunday, as we should, into this worship dynamic, actually the other six days go a lot further. I'm going to bless you with that right now. If you'll prioritize coming into His presence as we do, your six days are going to go further. You're not going to have longer days, right? That's not a blessing on anybody, is it? Uh, What you're going to have is be able to, the capacity, I'm absolutely sure of it, to do more in less time because you've taken that moment to align yourself with Him. It's amazing, isn't it? Thirdly, when we get together and worship together as we have been, we are encouraged and strengthened. You've probably picked up that I'm quite keen on gathering on a Sunday, okay? I became a Christian when I was 18, and I think I can count on two hands the last 38 years the times that I haven't been at church on a Sunday. I mean, there were occasions when I just couldn't be there for illness and so on. That's cool. But every other Sunday, I think I've either been in my home church as it was at the time, or we're on holiday, visiting another church. So I visited in churches of 50, 100, thousands, uh, auditorium with 17,000 people in it. Uh, amazing, really fantastic experiences. Uh, I've been to Sunday gatherings in Spain where I didn't understand much of what was going on, to be honest, uh, but it was great nonetheless. Uh, I've been to Portugal, uh, Poland, Netherlands, when I had even less clue of what was going on, but they were great nonetheless. And I've been to even in Cornwall, and I had no idea what they were going on about, okay? But what happens in every single time, almost without exception, is that sense of encouragement and strengthening that comes when we gather with God's people. 
that sense that we're not on our own. There are pockets of believers, whatever size, all over the world. In fact, I'm part of 2.5 conservative estimate billion Christians who are worshiping on this day. That strengthens me. It encourages me. When I worship Him, my own spirit is encouraged. When I hear the words and I get taught from the words, I, 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 I move forward in my Christian faith. I feel strengthened and encouraged. When I look around at you lot, I'm encouraged. I'm seeing that God uses men and women and young people of all different shapes and sizes and backgrounds and education, and He uses them, you and me, for His glory. I'm so encouraged by that, aren't you? Come along every Sunday. Get encouraged that way. The writer of Hebrews was so uh, keen that we encouraged each other to meet every week on a Sunday that he he put it in the letter to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. There's great advice here from worshiper to worshiper. It's on your little sheet. It's going to come on the screen in a moment. So rather than me just read it out, I thought we could all read this to each other as a kind of encouragement to each other. Okay, you up for that? So we're going to begin. We should keep on encouraging each other. Let's do that just as we read together. So together, would you? We should keep on encouraging each other to be thoughtful and do helpful things. Some people have gotten out of the habit of meeting for worship, but we must not do that. We should keep on encouraging each other, especially since we know that the day of the Lord's coming is getting closer. Encouragement and strength flow from us when we gather together. So that's about this big gathering in the temple courts, as it were. The second dynamic that was there was about meeting in small groups. Let's go back to our text. Every day, we read, they met together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. So everyone, as well as being connected in big gatherings, everyone is connected in small groups. Now, it's clear from the beginning that in addition to be the big gatherings, the smaller gatherings were absolutely essential to the development of the the church in the early days. In fact, I'd go as far as to say it's hard to call ourselves a New Testament church if we don't meet in big gatherings and in the small. It's not one or the other. The, The biblical pattern is both of these things going together. And the key dimension there is because of this connectedness that we have together. We know, we we just read there, that they ate meals together. And whilst they were having those meals, the Greek shows that the, the word there is for like a dinner. As they had dinner, meals together, they also broke bread and remembered the Lord's great sacrifice for them. And their practices are an example for us. What a mandate. Here is the mandate. We have the mandate to eat more. Woohoo! I expected more of a cheer from that. Yeah. We've got the mandate to eat more together, right? To get together and to eat more. Because, why eat? Because when you do so, it, you're just sharing life together, aren't you? And I'm not talking about having to do a fancy four-course dinner. That, you know, just straightforward, get together. I actually love the simple meals that we share with people just because the simplicity in it is a witness to Christ between us. Here at Kingsgate, for the last 20 years in Peterborough, we have had uh, life groups as our key expression of this gathering together in small groups. We, currently, we've got 112 small groups, which is brilliant, 1,250 people who meet most weeks of the year. People from age 13 through to great-grand-adults 
across the whole span of ages. Now, for those who don't know, uh, a, a life group is a small group of people, usually about 12. It, numbers you usually get from, how many people can you cram in your house before you have to use the special Christmas chair? You know, you know the Christmas chair, the balance, you know. So, take that chair off, how many people can you squeeze in? So, usually it's a between about 8 and 12 people. Usually, we meet weekly. The reason for that is we want to continue to build relationship week after week after week. If you go monthly, then you miss one, it's two months between and all that. So weekly gathering together in those, usually in someone's home, we have worship time together in some form or other. We, we look at the Word, the application of the Word, and we have an eye to the world around us, both for prayer and, uh, you know, focus. So that's an amazing thing. 20 years, 112 groups. It's brilliant. Well done to all of you life group leaders who are here who week by week prepare and serve into the life of the church. I have to tell you from my point of view, yeah, come on, applaud them. From my point of view, this church would not be the same if it wasn't for you. Well done, all of you who go to life group every week. Every Wednesday night at five o'clock, you're thinking, oh, I don't really want to go. Oh man, I've been such a busy day. I've been there, but when you get yourself there, God always blesses, encourages, and helps, and you get to bless and encourage other people. So just go for it. Well done. Thank you. For those of you who are not yet in life group, can I encourage you to give it a go? Pop along after the service into the, either of the Connect lounges and just ask for some information, register an interest. Sign up, but don't go for just one week and see, you know, I went for a week and it was boring, so I'm not going back. Okay, it won't be boring, but I'm asking you, would you commit, let's say, an exchange here, a bit of a deal. If you go for three months every week and at the end of three months you think this is not for me, we'll figure out something else. But I think after three months you'll have made friends that will be for life and you'll want to go on there. So I encourage you to get in a life group if you haven't done so. Now, small groups are so amazing that in addition to these life groups that we have, uh, very soon, in fact, at Easter, we're going to be uh, launching the sign-up for a whole new set of groups that we're going to be having, and they're called Connect Groups, which is really good because it fits with the theme of this talk. Okay, uh, Connect Groups, and you might have remembered Dave a few months ago was talking about the fact that if you imagine our life groups are like a net of a network of kind of connections between us. We're actually putting another kind of mesh of networks behind there. So connect groups, a little bit different from life groups. They won't always meet every week, but they'll meet usually based around an interest that people have. At the moment, we have got 36 groups ready to go. We're going to have cracking fun from beyond Easter. You'll be able to sign up from Easter Sunday, and then at the end of April, these groups will go on. Some of them, I'll just read you a little sample of them. There's a breakfast group, sounds good, cooking group, baking group, come dine with me, coffee mates, that's all the food ones. There's games groups, like you know, chess, board games, so on, badminton, gardening, I'm just picking at random, camping, running, dog running, dog walking, quilting, Doctors, uh, that's like, not, not go to the doctors as a group, but you know, professional groups such as doctors and healthcare professionals and so on. Photography, um, different nationalities meeting together, Chinese gathering and so on. Wow, loads of different ways to get connected. And what's the point? The point is we would love for you to get more and more connected. Our society is making us more and more isolated. We would love for you to be more connected. Our objective is not to give ourselves more work. Right? Well, it's not that we're sitting around thinking, well, let's, let's do something to fill our time. Far from it. What we're saying is we believe in connection so much that we want to really encourage everyone to get connected. More people connected in more ways. That's the objective. And so I ask you to listen out for that. Now, I love small groups. You probably heard get my vibe on that. And so I thought, 
for the doubters here, I would put together a short list of, you know, reasons why you should be in a small group, okay? Uh, I started writing them down, and I, 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 got, I stopped at 24, right, because I thought, I can't, I can't fit all these in a the talk. Uh, then I got my buddies together, and we thought, I know what we can do. Let's make it into a little alphabetical test, A through Z. So I'm going to give you 26 benefits of being in a small group, A to Z, okay? You, yeah, I can see this is encouraging you no end. Okay, I'm doing this without a safety net. Okay, I'm doing this hoping that I can remember the alphabet. I'm doing this knowing that I've done this 12 times in practice and got it right six times. Okay, so, and I know that you're for me and not against me. I know that you're going to encourage me here to do this. I know that you love car crash TV as well, right? And you want me to do a car crash. So, without a safety net then, 26 reasons why you should be in a small group. The alphabet begins with the letter A. Okay, so I get myself. Give me a minute, okay? Just got to get myself focused. Because I'm never going to remember the alphabet, let alone the thing. Okay, what's my first one? The first one. Okay, yeah, A. A, application of the word. B, belonging. C, community. D, discipleship. E, encouragement. F, friendship. G, generosity. It could have been good cakes if I'd listened to Nathan. Uh, H, hospitality. I, intercession. J, J, as we say in Scotland. Uh, This is Scottish alphabet. Joint accountability. Joint accountability. K, keeping Jesus at the center. L, anything to do with love, right? Loving on each other, loving our neighborhood, loving the world. M, uh, oh yeah, meeting each other's needs. N, nurturing new believers. M-N-O, outreach together. P, prayer. Q, get your questions answered. Right? You've, we, we come here, we hear the talk every week. The opportunity for questions is in the life group. We can ask questions and get them answered. Come on. Q, R, relationships. S, sharing life together. T, testimony. U, unity. V, volunteering together. W, worship together. Y, your part is needed. And as for X and Z... If you want to learn to play the xylophone, or if you want to go to the zoo, we'll get a connect group set up for those, okay? That's the level of this church. Come on. The pastors know the alphabet. Okay. Nearly. Okay. So you can do your own little alphabet. You could do it 10 times over. But the benefits of being in a small group are amazing, and I want to really encourage you, every one of you, to either keep going in your group, have great expectations for it, or to get in one, join one, uh, and enjoy it. I'm going to put that A to Z. Uh, I'm going to type it out. I'm going to give it to Sam Taylor and get him to make a little song out of it and get it on iTunes, just so that me and Sam can be top of the iTunes charts. You know, I just think that's the kind of rap that people need, isn't it? 26 reasons why to be in a life group. Let me just highlight a couple of those as I finish. The first is one of the reasons that groups, small groups work so well for us as individuals and as a church is about group dynamics. You'll see some numbers written on your little notes there. I want to talk about the group dynamics, relationships in a group, and just illustrate the fact that group dynamics really matter. So, for example, in a group of three people, one, two, three. There are six relationships in that group. So if there were, you get the, the gist of that. Let's look at the other numbers. If there were six people in the group, there are 30 relationships to nurture. If there are 10, there are 90. If there are 12 people in the group, there's 132 relationships, excuse me, to nurture. If there's 20 in the group, that goes up to 380 
relationships that are to be nurtured. If you go to 900, like a, a service, a big service, that's 809,100 relationships to be nurtured. Now, none of these is better than the other. They're just different. The group dynamic of what goes on when there's 800 of us or 900 of us gathered is great. It's wonderful. I love being part of a big church. It's amazing. But it's different from the dynamic that goes on when there's 12 of us or 10 of us in my front room or three of us in my leadership huddle. It's completely different, isn't it? Because the group dynamic is different. And so this is what we need to get into our hearts and in our heads too, if necessary, is it's not the same. It's not one or the other. We're looking for both and because the group dynamic is different. I wish I could read to you all the testimonies that we get in about how life groups have helped people. Let me just read one to you. Uh, we at, I asked some life group leaders, let me know some stories. Here is one. This uh, list refers to one lady who's given her permission for us to read this out. Over time, various members of the group, as a group, we have brought her lunch uh, beg your pardon, I'm, I can't even read, right, okay, brought her to church for the first time, brought her to church and life group every week and, and to courses that she wants to attend. We have done her garden. We've helped her find a more suitable home. We've helped her sell the old house. We helped her clean the old house and move. We held a housewarming party with her. We held a baptismal party together. We helped to sort out all the legal and personal details that have to be done. And there's a list that goes on and on and on and on wonderfully the ways in which we can help each other. Now, can you get that help in a group of 900? Actually, I don't think so. Where that happens is in the group dynamic of the smaller group where you get to know each other. I could go through my A to Z again, but you get the gist of all the dynamics that are going on in the small group. It's a wonderful experience to be in a life-giving small group, and I really encourage you to get connected in that way. And so as I come to a conclusion today, I want to encourage every one of us, whether we come to church every Sunday or periodically, or this is the very first time you've come and you don't know whether you're going to come back or not, all of those things are cool. Whether you're in a life group and you've been in life group for years and years and went every single week, or, or you're not in a life group at all and you're just thinking about it, whatever you are on any of those spectrums, I wonder if we could just ask that God the Holy Spirit comes now and upgrades our expectation on what happens when we gather on a Sunday, and what happens when we gather in our life group, that He, by the presence of His Holy Spirit, would get us beyond thinking it's just something we go to, to being something that we are part of by His presence. We form this vertical connection with Jesus Christ, and we form this horizontal connection with each other. This church is a church of both the vertical connection with Jesus and the horizontal connection with each other. I'd love to pray that God will help us to upgrade in all of those areas. So would you join me just in prayer together? Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that by the presence of your Holy Spirit, that you would come and make us a vessel in which your very presence can be manifest. When we meet here on a Sunday, when we meet in a small group, Father God, presence yourself there. Our expectation is that you'll come and bless, and heal, and encourage, and help, and strengthen, that you would align our lives with your will and your purpose. We thank you that in this country, we have the freedom to come and go. We have the freedom to come together as a great, giant body of believers. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the 2.5 billion people the world over who today are worshiping you just as we are in this setting. So, Father God, come, 
Connect us to yourself. Connect us to each other in a new way. Release, we pray, this revival dynamic in our hearts and minds right now, we pray. Amen. Amen.